All right, Creed Cast. We're doing the Port Adelaide report card at the meet season point. Uh, as it is at this moment, as we sit there at the um, after round 11, and we've had just had the bye week, and um, we're leading into playing Geelong in a couple of days. And I thought I'd do the mid I've done the mid season report card um, pod, which uh, will be released at the same time as this one. So if you've listened to that's the one for the rest of the AFL teams. Basically, I thought I'd, I'm just going to, this is only going to be 20, 20 to 30 minutes. It's going to be about Port Adelaide. Not an extensive mid season review, just a brief kind of thing about them. Um, what I would have had, I would have put it in a mid-season report card for the wider AFL, but I thought being this is a, we are a Port Adelaide po- podcast, I wanted to have the Port Adelaide one separate. So if you just wanted to listen to the Port Adelaide one, you can listen to this one, and then um, you don't have to worry about the other one. If you want to listen to both, get the full experience um, of what my barely informative opinions are, and <laughs> then go for it, um, whatever you want to do. So this is the Port Adelaide one, so we'll get right into it. So basically with the other report card I've done, basically I gave every team... Um, just a letter grade. I think I might have gotten a couple of teams if I actually I talked about them and might have gotten the gaps to give them a letter grade. I don't know. And the letter grades weren't all strictly um, what you used to. Like, for example, if you haven't listened to the other one, I gave uh, Carlton a G for goddamn fucking awful. So, um, and so my report cards aren't just based on ladder position. It's based on all things that are going on at the club at the time, based on what my opinion of it is. So, as I said in the other one, um, North Melbourne got a better letter grade than some teams that are above them because I think that they're, while the season is obviously not going great on the field, they're just they're consolidated in a position off the field as they enter a very lengthy, what is going to probably be a reasonably lengthy rebuild. So where I believe North Melbourne is at isn't as bad as where I sit, see a team like Hawthorne or um, Carl, you know Carlton even because of where the, kind of the off-field just drama that's going on. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. So Port Adelaide will get a similar treatment. Um and I guess you yeah, had to get right into it. I guess my letter grade for them for Port Adelaide is just a solid B at the moment, I think. Um, and even I tinkered to possibly go on B minus because I think there has been some disappointments um, this year as to where, we, where we're at. And we're not exactly, there's probably some trepidation uh, amongst the Port faithful, I believe, at the moment. Certainly with myself, and I believe, you know, most others possibly have that little bit of trepidation as to just how much we are expecting out of this season and um and that's fair enough too because we've had some disappointing losses this year um and uh, as well as some good wins but not another wins have been uh, some of the wins lately have not been um empowering <laughs> i guess is the right, i'm not exactly sure what the right word is it's um almost 11 p.m here i've had a couple of beers and um yeah the mind's not ticking along probably as quickly as it should for <laughs> what i'm doing but um it's really just stuff that's rehashing what has been going through my mind for the last last couple of months anyway so it's not too difficult but um yeah it's uh there's some trepidation in the, amongst the port faithful just where we're at and but um and those disappointing losses are a part of that as well as some just just some in and out just some yo-yoing even within games such as the Fremantle one but as we saw from Fremantle last week I think they're actually a decent side and have some good qualities to them so the win against Fremantle might actually look better than what we think it was at the time with you know we let them right back into the game at times we actually held them at bay we never got it never got to real dramatic close game it just we just let them get a, a sniff so um when you look at those kind of things it does give you reason to just sit there and go well, where the fuck's this team at with Port but um there is also, like I said, the letter grade takes into account all things, and you look at um, the injuries we've had. You know, Zach Butters and Dersmer in the one game against Richmond was a real big loss because Zach Butters, um, and I've said this on many pods before, and being this is the mid-season review, um, I can talk about it. Um, Zach Butters, I think, was um, already has a name on an All Australian jacket um, a couple of weeks in with how well he'd started the season. Um, that performance against Essendon was incredible. 
Um, obviously, not too many players played well um, against West Coast the next week. Um, but um, but then we went against Richmond, and he had an incredible start to that game, and was riding there until he until he went down with the dreaded syndesmosis. Everyone's new favorite word they've learned this year that they also hate because it every time you hear syndesmosis, um, you know, a Butters loses his wings. Um, it's just it's just horrible. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, it's the injuries we've had a lot of injury bad luck this year, and then you have you have guys like Tom Rockliffe who's waiting in the wings, and then he fucking does both knees in the same injury and then and just then finds out about one of them five days later and so you can't even call him Rockliffe who was going to be the rule. You know, it was one of those trump cards we were looking at at the start of the year when we realized he was kind of the one on the outer. Um, it was like, well, we can call him and as soon as we're going to get in, as soon as we get injuries because we probably know that um, as much as we want to knock on wood as I do every week on the podcast, injuries are going to happen and Rock- Rockliffe is one of those ones we can call upon and suddenly he's not available. You know, got even guys like Jackson Mead who I don't know how, you know, he's not... Close to selection, but with a good year, he might have been, you know, good. Then you've got guys like him rupturing his spleen, and then guy, um, and then, you know, Lockie Jones, two games into a promising start, he he gets the syndesmosis as well. He's back in, thankfully, but um, he gets the syndesmosis. I'm talking about it like he's got this, you know, like I'm in the old west, like he's got the, he's got the, he's got the skirt. Well, I was about to say scurvy, but that's pirate ships anyway. You know, he's got the, you know, he's got the whatever it is, but um, he, w- we've just had such bad luck with injuries at times this year. And, you know, Cleary going down that Bulldogs game at a time when um, the game was on the balance, you know, it's, you know, you can't even, you, you look at that game and go, would, would, how does that game finish if Cleary, if we finish with Cleary in the back line, maybe it finishes differently. I don't know. Sliding doors are wonderful. Um, the movie was, I think pretty forgettable. I think Gwyneth Paltrow was in that movie, um, sliding doors, forgettable movie, but, um, a, a great metaphor for what we're talking about. Um, you know, who knows what the sliding doors moment happens if Cleary doesn't fucking shatter his jaw into a million pieces against the Bulldogs in a seeming, seemingly innocuous collision. Um, so that's where I go and sit there and go, I could have given him a B- because I, I really am kind of like, we aren't kind of quite... And we're at 8-3 and three at the mid-season, that's the thing though, is that we're at 8-3, and three, which is... Um, in 2004, um, I think I've seen plenty of people post about it before. We were at 7-4 and four and we'd had some big losses at that point. Um, so we had an incredible finish that year considering we finished the regular season at 7-17-5. and five. It means we, you know, we went, you know, we went, um, 10-1 and one for the rest of the year. So that's, um, look, let's hope, let's hope for that knock on wood. But, um, uh, at the mid-season point, like at eight and three, we're actually in a very healthy position. Um, but there is trepidation from some of the performances not being, where we want them to be, but then th- this is the th- uh, this is also the thing when you're a fan of a football team is you you have bad you have some games where you win but you don't win big or you you win but it's a dicey win like it was against Collingwood and you go fuck man, geez this team no other team could do this but then you look at the, as I'm looking through the other results some other teams have had some really shaky wins as well some of the teams that are at the top of the table, um, fucking Brisbane only beat Collingwood by points so a <laughs> um, bit more of an entertaining game than the one that we played against them but. Uh, be it that what it is um you know all teams do have up and downs and that's and it doesn't matter what sport it is it is what it is uh, ken ken hinkley says himself it's about building a season and um we have it's not it's it hasn't been easy the first 11 games of the year it's been some t- games have been quite tough but um at the end of it, we look at it. We go. We're in a pretty. Hell, we've got a pretty. You know, he talks about building a season, and to build a season, we've got a pretty strong foundation at eight and three um, to start out. So I think that's probably the first point is just to say that we have um, in that letter grade. 
we have got a strong foundation for the second half of the season, and that's probably the biggest win. That's what we we're asking for is we wanted to get through the first and to look at the teams we've actually played. Um, yes, um, the losses have come against a good team, so that's a worry, but then we have we have beaten everyone we've been expected to beat. Um, so that is a positive. Um, you know, you can flat track bully all you want. The flat track bully, I think I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, it is a really weird, weird criticism to have of a team because it's like, oh, so you're fucking beating everyone should beat. Well, that's a fucking pretty good thing to to start your season out, to, to build your season upon. If you're beating everyone that everyone expects you to beat and people are criticizing you for it, it's like, well, fucking, okay, fuck off. I don't fucking care. Um, sorry, the language is going to be free, but it's 11 o'clock. I've had a couple of beers. Um, but it, it, that's literally what it is. It's like, what are you what are you actually telling us that we're, we're great at beating? So then if we're top of the table and we're still beating every team up, not that we are, but it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird compliment, a weird criticism to have of a team. Yes, we need to start beating some teams that are above us or around us. That is true. Um, there is always going to be the question asked, but if we're still in the, still in the top five, four or five or six and we're beating everyone under us that we should beat and hanging with those teams, we've got time to figure it out still. So look, the flat track bully thing is always an interesting one and I will never, I will never criticize being labeled a flat track bully because it means it means you're at least doing something right so yeah i that's one of the first things to talk about from the season and laugh about is it just flat track bullies what are we what are we complaining about that's fine let's be flat track bullies let's just keep doing that that's fine that's a great way to to build that foundation and build the season as ken hinkley was talking about all right so let's do now that we've just talked about it in, in an overarching general way uh we're talking about the um way we've started the season um the Talking about um, positional things, um, I guess the the big thing that's built the foundation of the season. Um, well, we've been shown up a bit in some of those games against some of the good teams. Um, the defense has been uh, pretty pretty good this year, and we've really and obviously we've talked about them in plenty of the reviews before. Aliyah has been such a revolutionary change to our defense or addition to our defense. Sorry, because the defense fundamentally hasn't changed from what we were doing last year. We were, we were a very good defensive team last year. We just struggled at times against the tools and in situational moments we were just missing that guy like that brings exactly what Aaliyah does and hey there's a great list management because we looked at what we did last year and went there's one thing that we're just missing a little bit of and that is a guy that is just a just a fucking god of a man that can run in intercept mark like a fucking jet and spoil if he can't fucking quite get the mark he'll spoil it like a fucking jet and he'll just be an amazing bloke with an incredible smile and will revolutionize our defense. And they just went, oh, that's Aaliyah, and went and got him, and that was fucking fantastic. So um, he's come in and just really just been that, um, you know, chef's kiss to the defense because, um, and, you know, Cleary, as I mentioned, and Cleary going out recently has not, has been a da- has been an unfortunate moment for the defense, but we're battling relatively, relatively well and incredibly I was talking about how Rockcliffe um, bit was an unfortunate thing. We don't, can't call upon him, but one of the fortunate things we were able to call upon was that Trent McKenzie, our fifth best and our best and fairest last year, had been toiling away. Um, toiling, as it sounds like a negative, he'd be playing incredible footy down in the sandfall because he was just the, the odd man out. And someone had to miss out, unfortunately, just positional-wise. Trent McKenzie didn't deserve to miss out, but it was just the guy that is going to miss out when you bring a guy like Aaliyah in because you're not dropping Jonas, Jonas or... Uh, um, or Cleary, and um, you know it'll be interesting to see what happens when uh, Cleary does come back. Because I think McKenzie, if he keeps playing the footy, he has a couple the last couple of weeks, but he won't deserve to go out. And um, certainly Hamish Hartlett is one that has gone out because his form has been a bit down. So um, 
That is the one from defense that, you know, there is – we have had some form issues with some players this year, and Hamish Hartlett has gone down. He's, he's owned that, which incredibly um, – I've got such respect for Hartlett as a player and a professional because he does own those kind of things. And, and I wish the best for him. Hartlett's going to play a role this year for sure, um, and he will play some good footy for Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide in the AFL again. Um, yeah, I have no doubt about that. But um, at this stage, um, Mackenzie's come in, obviously, when Cleary got injured and played some incredible footy. But um, this is what the, one of the highlights of our team. Um, and, and like defences in any part of the world in any sport, I sometimes get underrated um, because you just you, the, the defence isn't the, isn't the glamorous part of the field, is it? But um, Aaliyah has certainly added an element of glamour to it because he just he plays with such a – he's such an athletic player and he and plays with such a flair and – and his groundwork is actually incredible as well. But he just um, the way he carries carries himself as a football player um, does add an element of um, excitement and glamour to the back line because he just the way he can float across a pack and and stuff like that is incredible. And then we've had Lockie Jones come in, who I said at the start of the year. Um, and even when um, I went and watched um, the first Sandful game of the year um, against Norwood at the parade, unfortunately, it wasn't a great day for Port in the uh, in the um, Sandful. Though they've been going all right lately, which is good. Um, but, um, you know, Lockie Jones just in person. That was the first time I'd seen him in person was at that game. And it's just his, in, his closing speed um, is, was just so, so incredible. And I would notice that the last few weeks playing in the AFL. He still, he just, he, when when he sees um, a player in open space, like he, it, he can close in and make a spoil when you just, you just, when a player would probably be expecting to, um, uh, to take an easy uncontested mark, and somehow Jones can make a contest out, a contest out of it. So the you know, defense there's a lot of a lot of uh, positives um, going there at the moment. It's really been probably probably the highlight of the year, um, just as a as an entirety um, of a squadron. Uh, you know, you look at the three parts of the field: the mid uh, defense, midfield, and um, and um, attack. And uh, I think the defense probably been the highlights as far as a unit um, with what they've been doing because. Um, even some of those games where, we've, um, you know, whether it be Rich, the Richmond game where Richmond were really just tr- piling into our forward line and and we were just uh, into their forward line, sorry, and we were um, just repelling attack after attack after attack um, and allowing before we finally got a handle on the ball and started doing it ourselves, um, unfortunately, to not to a little bit of no avail at times um, with how um, bad we were kicking at one point. But, you know, our defense has um, kept us in games at times, which has been incredible and then allowed and then when we go on our runs um because we've defended so well uh, particularly the showdown was a great and great example of that as well um yeah they've just they've just kept us kept us in the games when we haven't had quite the rest of the game clicking and then when we once we get it clicking um they 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 take right over so um really impressed with how defense is going and they're going to be the foundation for this this year what is what will hopefully be a great second half of the year uh the midfield's um been uh it's obviously been unfortunately a little bit decimated by injury, and at times, and really the story this year for Port Adelaide so far has been uh, in the games where we've been really taken apart. It's been the contest, and unfortunately, that's where the midfield um, has been taken apart a little bit. And um, it's a question that's been asked about Geelong this week: is um, will the Port Adelaide midfield be able to match it with the Geelong one? And, uh, the question is uh, definitely being asked, and it's one that's got to be answered, and one that's got to be answered strongly in the second half of the year. Obviously, we are missing Butters and uh, and Dersmer, and then we've had guys like Rosie, who we've been trying to give midfield minutes, and he just, he, I think he's, he's still trying to get his body right. So no knocks on Rosie; it's just it just hasn't worked for him quite yet. And uh, so there's been a lot of load shouldered by the likes of um, 
you know, why Drew's been in there. Drew's just not quite. He's actually been playing some great footy. He's just not quite that takeover midfielder that we we in there yet. Um, but he's been he's been incredibly serviceable and um, certainly as a young player he's, he's got so much growth to happen I'm really impressed with what he's he's been holding his spot and um, some people have been you know asking for him whenever drops and you know stuff is being talked about it's Drew's name pops up because people just aren't I think because he's not quite as he's not doing as much as the other guys and he's the first name that comes up because if you're going to ask it's like oh well, that guy what is he doing but he's he's doing a lot more than I think what people notice at times it's just not as flashy and he's certainly earning his um Spot at the moment, considering uh, the injuries we have as well, um, and I'm, and he's he's been building into the season as well. I think the more time he's getting, the better he's getting as well. So he's not he's not regressing, which is a great sign as well. So um, I am impressed with what Drew's been doing, but um, you know, in the in the guts of it, it's been um, it's been certainly broken. Wines having to carry a lot of that load, and and Wines thankfully is um is having his best year in Port Colours. That is a real positive this year. He's um I mentioned in the other AFL report card, the wider team report card um. That uh, he's, um, you know, I think I mentioned something about Bonham, uh, was it Bonham Pelly or maybe I was talking about McClug- McCluggage at the time being a Brownlow smoking. I said alongside Wines because Wines has really vaulted. People have been talking about the last couple of weeks. Like his numbers are incredible. He's he's got career highs across the board, um, and he's just he just looks looks um, looks comfortable and he looks. Um, he finally looks. We've long seen that Wines has got this in him, but. Um, whether it be injury interrupted preseasons, um, and th- th- there was stuff that you know there was the the the, the water skiing or whatever it was that he got the bro- the fractured or broken collarbone or whatever, and people were like, oh, he shouldn't be doing that, and um, and the dual captain thing. There's been a lot of things over the last couple of years that wines um, that have put wines in the media spotlight for the wrong reasons. It's not even that it's wines fault, uh, Ollie's fault. It's just it's just what it is. It's just it's just being professional sports people. If you get into those positions, um, they'll. The water skiing thing, like I've, I've, I, I have this. I go back and forth on this stuff all the time. I, I do certainly land on the position that these guys are just that footy is a passion, but it's also a job, and they they certainly deserve. Like I love seeing you know Dixon doing his driving with Dixon stuff and all that stuff that he does on the side because I think it's great that these guys. Like, what are we expecting to be fucking robots? These guys are gonna have passions and stuff outside of it. You know, imagine if imagine if you, uh, like anyone listening, if your boss said, "Oh, you can't fucking do." Any of this shit on the weekends because I need you need you here for your nine to five on Monday. We'd be like, fuck off, it's my weekend. So, um, and a lot of people, <laughs> there's a lot of people out there that are actually earning decent wages that would say the same thing as well. <laughs> so it's just like if you're wearing any earning a comfortable wage and you're in the same bit, like I know footy players do live some glamorous lives, particularly the, the top echelon of them. Some of them, some of them at the lower echelons are earning what well, while good, obviously good pay packets. It's still it is just a pay packet, and they're still having to do things outside. So it's just um. Yeah, I've gone off on tangent. But anyway, um, why Ollie had, you know, there's a couple of years there where it was like, oh, he's done that. He's had interrupted preseasons because of those injuries. The dual captains thing happened, which wasn't well received for understandable reasons. Um, Port Adelaide tradition, it should be just be one captain. And, and Port Adelaide rectified it after a year, which was good. But um, Ollie was the one that had to drop out of that. And I think, and I do want, I do wonder, and I think it's been the, the nudge, nudge that, hey, look, you'll be a future captain if you keep doing the right things. And, and to Ollie's credit, he has actually just knuckled down and kept working. Like there hasn't been, he's discontented because of all the media speculation about all the media backlash against his water skiing. He's just kept on working and and got himself into this position and and had this incredibly an injury free preseason and gone into the season and just playing some fucking good footy and and it's great to see. And he's you know he's tied up in contract for a few years now and it's just it's just 
quietly, despite all the things going on, even the fucking channel sent him an interview at his house last year, which is just um, fucking ridiculous with the COVID stuff. But um, he's just going about his business and and putting in just an incredible year that's got him got him in that Brownlow discussion. Whether you know Brownlow discussion is what it is, it's um. At the end of the, any year, there's you know a bunch of names thrown up in the air because of, all these guys have had great years, and who knows, you know, there's the amount of years that you you don't even know who's gonna, you know, Matt Prittis that year, I think um that wasn't expected to be up there quite like he was, and it is what it is. So um, but regardless of that, we don't care if he wins the Brownlow or not. Although I'd love to see it, um, he's having an incredible year for us, and that's what matters. So um, yeah, great to see Ollie having a good year. You know, Bokes just. Boke again, he's just all class. And, you know, Robbie's been getting a fair run through the midfield as well, which is great to see. And, um, you know, Scooter, um, Lysett was, um, you know, obviously the suspension's been a dampener, but he's been having a great year in the ruck too. And then Laddams coming to be in service. And, and, you know, Laddams isn't as strong just as, as the pure ruck abilities, but his, his abilities to win his own footy and, um, and, and, and abilities around the field and at ground um, certainly certainly make up for a lot and um, he's been um you know filling the void quite well and um you know we we're, we're very well blessed in some of those stocks and you know the injuries have just bitten to the point that we're where we do you can see the detriment of those injuries at times but the fact we're at eight and three after all those injuries through the midfield and stuff like that is um a great result still so you know we're in we're in a we're in a reasonably healthy position despite all that all right the forward line um it's been one of those spots that um I guess every year, and for most clubs, when you're having some up and down moments, particularly in a team that's um, expected to do big things, your forward line's always going to be a point of contention. Um, it's particularly if a player isn't kicking four goals every week. Um, it's been an interesting one this year. Um, it's been up and down. We tried the, you know, we went with the four tools against, um, you know, including Laddams. We had Laddams, Scooter, Georgiades, Marshall, and Dixon against West Coast early in the year, which. Um, even though I was guilty of um, jumping on Twitter after a few beers and just um, singling out a player, and um, I think it was Marshall at the time. And look, my, there are there are aspects of Marshall's game that still didn't need to improve, but it's not alone to Marshall. It's like he is he escaped it, scapegoated a lot, and I felt bad that I I just fell into it. I don't know why. I think it was just in the moment I was just I'm frustrated. But then he came back, kicked three goals in the second half, and made me look like an idiot. Um, and I own that. I own that. I'm just a fan at the end of the day, and I will say. Things and that's what I try to avoid with the creed and and what we do is that we want to be a positive aspect of you know we just we're just a fan account and we do we make some badges and stickers and whatever and uh, and we do what we do but at the, the end of the day we're um we we want to be a positive part of the Port Adelaide whatever you know your lexicon culture whatever you want to call it um that's what we want to be so we never want to single out we we'll always criticize when it's needed um. We try to be constructive, and at that point, I, I knew I wasn't being. I, later on, reflected, it wasn't really constructive. I didn't even say anything bad. I just think I was just like, this tools thing isn't working. And my immediate first one to take out was Marshall, and the next week to take out Laddams. And I was like, <laughs> on reflection, I was probably like, Laddams was probably the one to take out um, because we did have some positive results with the three tool, and I think there is some good signs to how that's going to work. I think Marshall, um, probably, I think Marshall, the one, the thing that. Uh, is against him is just he's just got that. It's literally the way he he moves. He's just got a there's a, a lackadaisical quality to the way he moves, which doesn't actually mean he's moving in a lackadaisical way. It's just he looks. It's just the way he ca- and. But then when he attacks the footy and and runs and and marks and leads and all those things, he actually does it quite well. It's just when he's moving, sometimes it just doesn't look like he's moving as quickly as he actually is. I think there's just a way. It's a visual thing. Um, so I think, you know, look, there is aspects to his game he still needs to improve. Um, 
Sometimes he just he needs to be get a bit more consistent with his clunking of marks, which is certainly not alone to alone to him. But I think I've seen him just a few times where it's just marks he should have taken at times, and you know just and whether that's a um a mechanics thing or just a a, a mental thing at the time of of attempting a mark and just not being quite with it, um, I don't know. But um, you know, I think there's a lot of promise to Marshall still, and um, I'm very very happy to see see us continue with the three talks thing because I. I think it has actually been working more often than it hasn't. I apologise as I um as I burp a couple of times as I'm going, trying to keep them out. But um, yeah, it's um I, there's a, a lot of positives and certainly Georgiades. What he's probably been a bit quieter the last couple of weeks before the buy. But um, you know he got a he got his rising star nomination for the year again a few weeks back and um and I think Mitch Georgiades. Fuck, the only thing I worry about Georgiades is he's gonna fucking like hurt himself terribly because he the way he flies and leaps and. He's such a fucking exciting player. Um, he's going to be such an exciting player for the future as well because he's he's incredibly strong. And I think that when he gets his body, when his body catches up a little bit to the AFL game, along with whatever everything else he's doing, because it's just a, he probably there is some times I watch him flying it, and he certainly got that corky I think against um, Fremantle in that last game. And I worry about the way he jumps into. It's probably he does need to just measure it, but then you don't. I'm I'm starting to I was starting to say he just needs to consider the situation a little bit more then you don't want to you don't want to coach that out of a player because it's just special and some players are actually have the capability of doing that throughout their careers just throwing themselves into thing and, and not getting hurt but um you know you look at you know i always think back to when wanganine um not that marshall's ever going to be thrown back to halfback because they're different players but uh, sorry marshall georgiades but the thing back to kevin sheedy's worries about wanganine which is the way he fucking threw himself into everything it was like he's gonna fucking get himself ki- not killed but um you know metaphorically speaking in the footy terms he's going to get himself knocked out of the game because he's he's just the way he throws himself at the ball it's his high marking ability is just incredible his leaping ability and and above all the excitement factor of Georgiades is he has these incredibly great fundamentals as far as his um, set shot for goal he's just he's got such a great kick he's got he's he's got a very you know it's a very long and measured and meticulous run-up, but it works. I, th- I have a real trust, and I said it in a review a few weeks ago, I've very trust his kick over over almost anyone at the club, apart from Robbie Gray when he's in certain pockets. Um, but, uh, you know, Georgiades is just such an incredible um, incredible force, and he's going to be... He's, he's so young still and um, already just showing so much um, in that forward line. He's going to be just such an incredible player for the future. Um, the one that's obviously maligned um, a lot and unfairly most of the time as well as Charlie Dixon. Um, he's not kicking the bags that we probably, you know, especially the way the season started with a lot of uh, forwards, you know, the way the game was going this year with, you know, you got guys like Walker kicking the bags of six and, um, you know, uh, even Thilthorpe in his first game kicking five and Kaczynski and all those guys coming and kicking. But, then, and, but I don't think... Um, Charlie may have not have he's I don't know if he's even kicked a bag more than three this year. Just thinking um, without actually looking it up at the moment, um, but he's doing a lot of things around the field that we're not. I think aren't. he's he's his work. Um, he's got a lot of score involvements. Um, you know, taking some big marks, and he's he's often he's still t- dealing with a lot of double teams that you just don't see. Like I know last year he was he dealt with more than any other player in the in the league, and it's just this year is more of the same and. Um, my big thing this year is when you look at the Coleman leaderboard and look at the players at the top and you see a lot of players that are um, in teams that aren't actually factors in the finals and you look at the, the teams that are playing better footy, 
are the ones that are actually spreading the spreading the scoring around more. So kicking bags of goals, well, I'd love to see Charlie kicking bags of five while we're getting into the top four and top two, possibly. Um, I'm certainly okay with the fact that he's he's playing a role where he's um, not always um, the focal point of the, these. The fact that we've actually been able to take the focal point being away from him because we're at a better point than we were last year. Um, while you know, you know, because last year the question was, is it, are we Charlie centric? Now it's like, is Charlie good enough? And it's just like, well, we're still going okay, so let's just stop talking about Charlie so much. But um, I know he's been he's, he's playing a fair bit in the ruck at the moment as well, and doing a lot a lot of work there, and he's up the field a lot. And you know, sometimes in some of those games where we're losing. Losing a little bit big, um, and he's up the field. It's more of a more of the fact he's trying to get himself, but he, he is doing that stuff. So, I think there's a lot of Charlie's game. I talk about it in a lot of reviews that people have reheard that um, it's just a lot of Charlie's game that isn't quite noticed when he's not kicking the bags of goals and taking those big marks. But he's still taking some big marks and kicking goals, and um, certainly we do want to see more of him in some of these big games. So this John game this week would be one of those tests, and then we'll keep moving forward. Um, it, you know, whether it goes good or bad against Geelong, um, it's still just one game. But we certainly do want to see start seeing some of those signs um, against teams like Geelong, if, um, especially at home, that Charlie can kick maybe, even just if it's just a couple. Because, you know, a game against Geelong isn't going to be big bags, but if you fuck, if he kicks five against Geelong, I'll be fucking stoked. But, um, yeah, it's um, we just need to see a few more of those signs, I think. But um, certainly Charlie's position in the side um, certainly doesn't need to be questioned because he's been... Um, Playing, playing some roles that we uh, that go a little bit underappreciated, but um, he's 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 such a great presence, and and certainly just even his presence in the forward line does open up opportunities for others. Like um, I haven't even talked about it, but this you know guys like Fantasia and and Motlop's had a good year uh, kicking a couple of bags of three this year. That you know that they, they might have been Charlie goals in a different year, but the way that the forward line's functioning at the moment is these guys are getting these opportunities a little bit more because the space is being opened up. The amount of times Motlop's led into space. Um, out in the, out in those 45, 45 angles and kick some big goals. Um, that's a big factor in what we're doing in our forward line. Is that that you know everything that's happening is leading to the space for these guys to move into, uh, whether it be Fantasia, Motlop, um, Gray at times. Um, so it, it is there is a function to our forward line that isn't strictly Charlie centric, which was everything everyone was asking last year. So. Um, that is a big positive to the forward line. Things still aren't going great yet because, as Hinkley has said in the last couple of weeks, he said we're still learning how to, you know, Fantasia and these guys coming in and this structure that we're going with this year. Everyone's still learning about it, so it is a, it is, um, you know, perfection that is trying to be found on in the season. So it'll be found, um, but there's certainly good signs. There's been some bad signs this year, well, not bad signs, but just bad moments this year. But there's good signs moving forward to what we're doing with that forward line. Alrighty, so that about wraps that one up. Um, it's a quick half hour on where Porter at. Um, yeah, I, I, I could have gone on for an hour and a half, really, if I wanted to really get in-depth into it. But I really want to just do a brief report card of just where I feel we're at at the moment. Um, yeah, certainly... Um, yeah, we've we've had some we've had some incredibly good moments this year, but they've been fleeting, I think, for me. Um, you know, even the games that we've had, we've had comfortable wins, there's been moments, and then you go, fuck, can we, can we, can we just put the foot down here and... Get a good percentage boosting win because you know we haven't had the big fifty. I think a biggest win this year still uh, is fifty four points, which um, certainly as I talked about in the other podcast, you got Western Bulldogs having two um, hundred point wins this year, as along with a couple of other big wins. So um, it has been a frustration that we just haven't been able to put the foot down like that in any games this year, or um, you know teams have been able to get runs on to even just get a little bit of scoring on us and. 
those kind of things, um, that will come. But getting wins on the board and getting comfortable wins more often than not in those flat track bully games, as I was talking about before, is still a positive. Um, we've got to just have to take a measured approach to how we think about the season as as it is so far and go, at the end of the day, we're at eight and three. We're, you know, percentage out of the top four. It's not even games, it's percentage, which is, uh, you know, while we want to, as I said, those bigger wins that some of the other teams have had have, have assisted them in getting a better percentage than us. So we want to get there, but we're in a position, we're in an incredibly good uh, foundational position to attack the second half of the season. Um, so big games to come. You know, we're going to be playing um, all these top four sides. Um, you know, we've got Melbourne to come. We've got Western Borders to come again. We've got Geelong this week. Um, so we've got some big games to come and um, some big, um, big results on the way, hopefully, as well. So a good foundation to come. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, what a what a... What a wild ride to start the start the first half of the season. It's been up and down like a yo-yo, like a roller coaster, whatever you want to say. Um, you know, some incredible highs, some um, disappointing lows. But uh, yeah, the first half of the season is that. And at the end of the day, we got to eight and three, percentage out of the top four, and um, an incredible foundation to build upon for the to attack this second half of the season. So, car in the pair, let's fucking go. Let's get the second se- second half of the season underway. <laughs> 